everybody, welcome to Daily Notes. This is Adam, uh, and this show is presented by Almost Sci. I was really excited so much for this episode, like I'm, I always am. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. But first, before I introduce the guest and what we're going to be talking about, I want to say a huge thank you to every one of the listeners and who've been supporting the new Daily Notes program for Almost Sideways. Really excited to be diving back into the world of a media platform, talking about some of my favorite stuff. So, with that said, four years ago, I joined YouTube and I started doing um, things that are the almost sideways name for YouTube and I met a guy there I watched a video that he was a part of and I looked at his channel and that guy is Durban of Durbania and four years ago we actually did our very first collab and today I'm honored that he's gonna be joining me for my very first interview on the podcast we're gonna be talking about things from how he started off with YouTube to some TV shows and movies he was a part of and he was a part of a pretty big one called the Big Bang Theory and we also talk about his love for DC comics and just like films and superheroes in general so I can't wait to talk about it so let's just stop talking right now and jump right into this conversation Durbin, man, I can't believe it's been four years since we first started interacting. It seems like it was just a couple, like, months ago. I know, and when you said four years ago, in my head I went back and I'm like, was, has it really been that long ago? And it, it really has, which strikes me. It's like, have I been doing this this long that it's been that long? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It just seems like the older I get, the faster time slips through our fingers at times. Yes. It's, it's, it's so crazy. And that's a scary thought because we're only going to get older, so I guess time is only going to go faster. Yeah, ex- that is the truth. So I guess that was, we're alluding to we worked together on a, a Lord of the Rings ranking video. We ranked all three of the Lord of the Rings movies and all three of the Hobbit ones in one big epic conversation. So that was on YouTube. But, of course, you were on YouTube, and you have a YouTube channel. So I let the guys at home, if they haven't heard of your channel yet, uh, give us some information about where we can find you. Yeah, well, you can find me on YouTube. My channel is called Durbania. My last name is Durban, so I just put an IA on it to give it, I guess, more of a epic sound, Durbania. And uh, if you look that up on YouTube, I'm the one and only with that name. And I do all kinds of movie talk. So I'll review new movies. I rank movies. I react to trailers. Any other fun thing I could come up with. And then I have this other thing that I think is different than what most people are doing is the theological analysis. And I love to analyze movies and find God in movies and cool symbolism and be able to talk about that. And so it's a lot of fun that I like to have on my channel and love to have you be part of that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of his videos, man, are just really in-depth and really awesome. He's one of my favorite people I've ever interacted with on YouTube. So definitely I highly recommend it here. So with that said, you started out on YouTube. Uh, How long ago was that actually? That would have been, um, it was October, I think, 30th or 31st? I'm going to say the 31st, uh, 2015. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs> yeah, so happy Halloween. That was Durbin's debut on YouTube, and my first video was a video defending Man of Steel. Oh, there we go. And that, that might tie into a topic in a little bit. We'll talk <laughs> yeah. about that. When you start off a YouTube channel, and I do know like from personal experience that it, it's a kind of a big jumping off point. You have to figure out, like, should I do this? You know, kind of debating. What made you actually decide that, you know what, I'm going to step into this medium and start talking about some of my favorite things on YouTube? It, it was interesting because uh, prior to that, I have worked in broadcasting. I've worked in Christian radio stations for about 14 years. Two Christian rock oh, stations, wow. uh, two Christian talk stations. So I have a huge radio background, and one of those uh, Christian rock stations 
had a music video network. So I was a VJ in front of the camera on that, and I was also <laughs> behind the camera on that. So I did all that stuff. And the last station that I worked at was out here in California, and it was listener-supported. <clears throat> and uh, it's California, and they don't like to support things all the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and this station had just lost its support, and it just couldn't go on. And so June 2015 was incredibly difficult for me because I got laid off as that station was mm. slowly on its way out. And it was hard because I poured my heart and soul into that particular station. And it was really sad to have to let that go. And I knew that whatever I did next job-wise, I, I loved the radio aspect because I love talking on the radio. Like, I love talking. Like, it's fun. I love to, you know be in front of people, which is why I did theater and all kinds of stuff. And I figured, what can I do to help me get into that? So around July, Durbania was nothing but a little podcast on SoundCloud. And it didn't take me long before I realized how dissatisfied I was with that. (laughs) And so with a cheap flip vid camera and uh, awful green um, construction paper hung up on the wall behind me, I started Durbania, and I I started Durbania because my brother-in-laws and I would go see movies, and when we were driving back, we would be talking about how we saw God in those movies and these, like, deep Christian symbolism that wasn't there, but it was the lens through which we watched it, and we're nerds. We we love comic book stuff, we love action stuff, and we're Christian nerds, so we love the Jesus stuff, too, and so it was easy for us to see movies through that lens— and, and we had such a blast with that conversation that I thought, what can I do to bring that conversation to YouTube? And for the fat, past five years, that's kind of been my refining process. You know, the regular movie reviews, talking about movies, geeking out when cool announcements come for Batman and all that stuff. But also watching movies and doing what my brother-in-laws and I did, having such a fun time nerding out about how we saw, you know, God in those movies. Well, that's 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 pretty cool. I didn't actually ever knew you were worked at, worked at a radio station, and that's 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 pretty fascinating. I had a question about that a little bit later, but um, that's awesome. I, what I think what I really enjoy from hearing what you're saying is that you actually never lost focus from what you where where your main starting point was. And sometimes you know when you get a little bigger, you kind of lose focus and like you're just kind of doing stuff out of because well I got to do it type of thing. Yeah. But for you, it's like no, this is how I always found symbolism symbolism and things and i'm gonna stick with that no matter what and i think that's 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 really good and and like you said it's so easy to to lose track of that because i would probably say in the last five years i've i've had i've never quit doing theological analyses but you know you want to do these other things to make your channel grow so you start doing trailer reactions uh somebody does ranking videos and that's super successful so you start doing that and it's so easy to get lost in the weeds and I found that when I kept getting lost in that stuff, not that any of that's bad, and I still do it, but it's like when that becomes my principal thing to try to bring people in, yeah. rather than why did I start this to begin with, that's when I felt lost and stressed. And whenever I bring it back to, wait, this is why I want to do this channel. I mean, I love finding this Christian symbolism in movies. Whether it's there or not, it's the lens I watch it through, and I can find it. And it's fun for me to do that. And if I stick to what I enjoy doing... And I'm honest about that. Then it it gives me energy. That's cool. And I know for me, um, I really lost kind of like focus when I started because I was my my channel when I started. I was only doing it for like a year, and I was almost up over a thousand subscribers. And by the time I quit, it was the three thousand. But I, I sacrificed so much to get there. 
I lost kind of focus on the things that were more more important. Yeah. I was doing. I was pumping out so much content. We had a, a, another fellow YouTuber, John from the Real Talk. He was saying he him and I messaged back and forth, and he said I was like one of the hardest people working at our little community because I was just pumping out so much stuff, but I sacrificed my quality time with my daughter and my wife, and I didn't have a good work life balance with that. And I, and I did just. And I kind of just got burnt out a lot, and I just lost passion because I was just doing the same thing over and over again. So, with kind of one of my questions is: is how are you able to balance things out with your your job, YouTube, and your interactions with Laura, your wife? Yeah, well, one of the ways that, that sort of became easier is because you know that radio station is gone now, and so I didn't have yeah. that job, and I, and I got a couple other jobs in between. And my passion just wasn't there. And thankfully, my wife always had a good job and was always very supportive of, of me doing these things that I'm incredibly passionate about. So it's given me lots of opportunity to grow YouTube, but also explore other career things. And so where I landed is I do freelance video editing and I do YouTube. And I have a couple of consistent clients that I do some freelance stuff for. One really cool skateboard channel that was it's been oh, a lot nice. of fun to work on. And um, my church does a lot of cool stuff now, especially with COVID-19. Um, it actually, <laughs> as odd as this is going to sound, became a huge blessing to me because when we couldn't meet at church anymore, I had to, yeah. we had to pre-record the services and then I had to edit all of that. And that was a lot of good and decent income. But yeah. in terms of balancing that, I, I found the most difficult thing is to work from home. Because if you go to the office, you go nine to five, five, it's done. And at home, that's not the case because my computer yeah. is in my living room and my studio is in the next room over. And it's like I got to figure out how to draw that balance. So my wife um, gets home from work at five and that's just when I try to be done, even if it's incredibly frustrating to me and, mm -hmm. and I, I want to keep going. I know the best possible version of me is that version that stops when my wife is home because then she and I get to hang out, be together and then even though I'm frustrated when I have to stop because I'm a completionist, if I start it, it's got to get done. Yeah. But then yeah. the next day I'm able to approach it a lot more fresh. And, um, mm. it's, and it's funny because I'm still learning that lesson. I talk like, yeah, yeah I'm an expert, and now I got that down. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's, it's something that I'm still putting into practice, and it's something I'm still getting much better at. But it's, it's been this learning process because working from home is hard because it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to stay motivated. It's hard to stay focused. And then when you're finally on the ball, the wife comes home. It's like, oh, okay, well, I do need to stop. You know, so it's like yeah. it's, it's an interesting balance that I work on every day. But that's the balance I try to keep. You know, I try to pretend I'm in an office. And when my wife gets home, my work day has to be over. Yeah, you clock, you're clocking off the, the old computer and... Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I'm done. I'll pick that up tomorrow. So that, that that's really good. That's a that's something I wish I would have done a little better. I think that I would probably, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, you yeah, or whatever. I, I, I if I was do a little better at that, it it was it's tough. I was the same situation. My I started off with like. Uh, I had some posters on the wall, but then I met Sean Chandler, which you're, I, that's where I actually yep. met you from too. And uh, he said, you know, poster board, and I had that all in my dining room, and I was had all my setup on my dining room table. So we didn't really have a dining room table there, and and yeah, the the growth was awesome, and my wife was like supporting me like way more than probably she should have, um, <laughs> but 
I, I just lost. I was, just, I was just focusing on like, I need to grow this because I can, I can get money from this. But I lost focus why I was doing. I was my love of movies. I was just focusing on this bigger and brighter, this bigger thing. But I was pushing everything aside. And I think I, I wish that you know it's a lesson I wish I would have I've learned. But you know, thankfully, yeah. I've, Got my head a little more screwed on straight, <laughs> straighter anyway. Well, like I said, it's a lesson I'm still learning because, yeah, you know, Laura gets home and yeah, I, I I'm getting better at just being done. Um, I, I still have imperfections there, but I'm much better at being done. What's hard is mentally letting go because I might be done, but my brain is still editing, or my brain yeah. now is thinking about, well, when you were editing that clip, maybe you could go back and re-record what you were saying. And here's my wife. She's having this delightful conversation with me, and I'm refilming and re-editing a video I've been working on in my head. And I'm like, "Stop it, Durbin! Stop it!" And so, you know, it's it's difficult, but you know, it, it's a balance that I think I'm getting better at. I'm getting stronger at. At least I hope I do. And I think Laura would be able to tell you I'm getting better at it. And yeah. it's nice to be married to somebody that has grace. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. Yeah, this. Sounds so familiar, Gervin. <laughs> like I'm a workaholic too. Like I'm just thinking, like, how? What am I gonna talk about? Like, what questions? And my wife is like in the next room. She's like, so my day was this, this, that. And I'm like, I'm thinking about Durbin's questions. What am I gonna ask him? How am I gonna do that? I'm like, wait a second. Yep. No, stop, stop. <laughs> yes, because she know she is. Our wives are so smart. They know when we're not 100 percent focused. Yeah, they, they could they could totally tell. Yep. So. And I think the funny thing is, like, workaholics like you and me, we, we work at it, and, but what we forget is we also got to stop because if we keep going, it's not going to be our best. And when we oh, yeah. keep trying to push through that burnout, it just – things keep getting harder and, and worse. But if we stop <laughs> and be with those that love us and then come back to it after we've been refreshed, then we could actually do the good work. So it's like – it's hard to strike that balance, but it's a necessary balance on every level. Yeah, it's, and it's also rejuvenating too. And yeah, the, once you get that like break, you're able to probably put the best content out that you've done in a while. It seems yeah. Like, so, all right. So one of the cool things that you do on YouTube, Durbin, is that you do these theological analysis, which you did bring up earlier. And Rachel Wagner, one of our another close YouTube friend, she actually had, had a pretty good question. When you're deep diving a theological analysis, her question was. What is a movie you liked much better after you did a theological analysis than you originally did? Yes. I'm glad I saw that on Twitter before you asked me here because it gave me some time to really think yeah. about that. <laughs> but the first one that popped in my yeah. mind was The Mist. Did you see that movie, uh, Stephen King's The Mist from oh. – uh, uh, Yeah. That movie is great. Early 2000s. By yeah. itself. Like it is a great movie. But once I really started to analyze it and get deeper into it, I think to this day, that is my favorite theological analysis I've done because it's so interesting that what you've done is taken these characters and you've locked them all together in a grocery store. So they're stuck in one environment. This mist is this pressure that seems to come down on all of them. Now, what you've stored up and what's really on the inside of you is going to come out when you're squeezed. Like if you squeeze an orange, you will not get apple juice. You will get orange juice because that is what is inside the orange. <laughs> and so when you look at these different people inside the same setting with the same crisis, you see these different responses coming out. And so I went through and analyzed some of the main responses that I saw. And in doing that, it, like I could go back and watch that movie many times now because it's just 10 times more interesting to me 
because of going deeper under the skin of that movie and analyzing that stuff. Yeah, it's been such a long time since I've seen that movie, so I'll, I'll have to check that out and go back and check out your video because that be, that sounds like a very interesting like way to look at things. Oh, yeah. Cody Leach um, got me into a lot of horror films, and I, I haven't been a horror fan growing up, but I know the horror genre. I've come to appreciate so much more because Cody Leach has been so supportive of me doing theological analyses of horror films, so he keeps on giving me lists of movies to watch. And every time I watch them, I can appreciate them more because, like, he, he seems to understand my style and how I like to dig deep into movies. So he sees ones that would be really good for it, sends it my way. And there happen to be ones that he really likes. I, and they're just, they're so much fun to get into. Like, In the Mouth of Madness, that was a really fun one to analyze. Wow. And I never would have watched that if it hadn't been for Cody Leach. So, you know, that, that's a whole genre that I appreciate more because of being able to do the theological analysis. You're doing that's such a unique thing and video series that you got you do that I think a lot more people need to start like look checking those out because that's something some a lot of people are not doing like you said people are doing the reactions and the ranking videos and even new movie reviews and some now with COVID they're doing the older films which yeah. is good but having unique takes on things and different ideas that's that's something that needs needs to focus. I think that's the uniqueness. That's your unique stamp on the yeah. community. I think that's and, awesome. And in doing that, I did find another one, the movie Evangelist. So I don't know if you met Brian Lomax in your time on YouTube, but he's got two channels, one oh, yeah. which is a movie review channel, and then another one which is called the movie Evangelist. And he does something very similar. So we've actually uh, partnered up on a few videos um, doing stuff. So it's, oh, wow. it's pretty okay. cool. I knew that he had I, – I did know Brian Lomax – a little bit because Cody Leach, but I didn't know he had a second channel, so I'll have to t- probably yep. check that out. We mentioned Rachel Wagner again. I'm going to mention, like, you also do a Sunday devotional yes. with her as well. I think that's another unique thing, too. T- tell us uh, how that got started. Well, no, that got started at the beginning of COVID-19. And so in March, when all that stuff was going down, there was this part of me that was still in some form of denial because who could have fathomed the extent to which things were going to be shut down? And, um, you know, her church was shut down. <laughs> and I figured, my yeah. church ain't going to get shut down. And then the announcement came, my church is shut down. And I went, you're kidding me. Of course, the bittersweet thing of that is, that's when they said, but we will pay you to pre-record. And so I worked with a great team, and we pre-recorded services and edited. And I was like, yeah! Anyway, point is, is in the midst of that, Rachel contacted me because of the theological analyses that I do. And she asked me if I would be interested in doing a Sunday devotional with her on her channel, just as a way for spiritual edification for her spiritual edification for me and for anybody else that watched because all of us at that point were relegated to church online and so we just like yeah let's do it and it's been interesting to watch it grow as we've been doing it and uh it's been a lot of fun because uh i've heard rachel tell me that it's been something that's kept her spiritually strong during this crazy, weird time, spending more time in the Bible, spending more time with God that maybe she wouldn't have before. But now because we're doing this thing, it's it's um, edifying her spiritually, which is so cool. And, and me too, because, for instance, uh, the most recent one we recorded was about self-confidence. And what's funny is I had a whole yeah. week where I was trying to record a video on my channel, a theological analysis And sometimes analyses come natural to me, sometimes they don't. And this particular one, in my head, I knew what I wanted to say. I knew exactly what to say, but I couldn't get it out of my mouth. No matter how hard I tried, it wasn't working. 
and then because Rachel and I were doing something on self-confidence, my self-confidence was down, and we do this video, and it was one of those things that kind of edified me, and then I did another video with Cody, and after kind of being edified and being refocused, I go back to that, and I'm able to knock it out and hit it from a more honest level than what I did before. And so, you know, it was having that is a really cool thing to, to be able to do. That's awesome. I, I definitely can't wait for that self-confidence one to come out because I, I, I struggle with that yeah. a lot at times because it's just like things that happened in your past. And I have at times like anxiety and depression does creep mm-hmm. up on me. And, too, I, I, go to account, I go to counseling for just like this mental like strength as well too. just like I have a lot of stuff that happened in the past. And it's taken a toll on my, like, my confidence at times. I feel like, you know, I, I struggle with different things and I put myself down and – finding that self-confidence that's it's it's hard to do so i'm really looking forward to checking out that video it's really funny because the video that it it almost broke me when i was trying to do it because it's like why can't i get these words out it was a video about fear and overcoming fear and it's interesting because in doing that analysis i found god talking to me about fear that i need to confront in my life and that there were lies about myself self-confidence that i was believing and by believing those lies about myself it was giving fear this place and so what i needed to do was start not believing those lies about myself and start believing what god believes about me and once i started to do that it's funny because i felt like in all these little ways god spoke to me and then i was able to knock out that video capped off by doing that thing with rachel and i was like wow that's amazing how all of that work together and even that struggle i went through turned out to make a more honest theological analysis and a more honest conversation with rachel about self-confidence that i think is going to be very edifying that's awesome guys so definitely check out the, the, that's those those series that durbin does or, or, or as a part of as well uh something that you know has been creeping on a lot is streaming services let's talk about that real fast uh there's so many streaming services out there uh, and I know that you're, you've probably subscribed to a bunch of them. Which one do you keep on getting drawn to the most? Uh, Netflix is still my favorite. Um, I've been spending more time on HBO Max. When I first got it, I was very disappointed in it because of the DC content. I was expecting yeah. more. I was expecting um, yeah. HBO Max to be Warner Brothers' answer to Disney+. And just like Disney+, Plus has that amazing Marvel section... Um, HBO Max has a DC section, and it's getting better. But when I first went in there, I was like, this is stupid. And it's because that DC online streaming service still exists. So I think when that's gone, then we're going to have that answer, and that, that's going to be cool. I, I look forward to that. But I've been getting more and more into it, like finding more content that I haven't been able to watch before that I now can't watch, like Doom Patrol. Hadn't been watching yeah. that before. I'm two episodes in. What a weird show that one is. And uh, <laughs> so I uh, just finished the two seasons of the animated Harley Quinn series. I still haven't digested how I fully feel about that show. But, you know, it's been cool to be able to check out that content I hadn't before. And especially being the DC fan that I am, I'm, I'm looking forward to that being the place I go for DC. But Netflix is my favorite. Now that Avatar and Legend of Korra is there, it's even more my favorite. And I love Disney Plus just for the 4k mcu that is there it's amazing yeah the 4k stuff uh i did see an article i can't it might have been a variety or something like that um the disney plus there's a rumor that they're going to be adding an adults only section like uh 
from the, the acquisition of 20th Century Fox. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's like a, a it's obviously more content for their streaming service, but yeah. being a, a you know family friendly company, it's kind of kind of. I'm on both sides of the fence. What are, you, what are your takes I, on that? I am too, because on the one hand, it's just it's so off-brand for Disney, and I think yeah. that's one of the appealing things about going to Disney+. Plus. You just go there, and it's safe, and that's cool. I mean, all the Marvel movies are there, and you know, I think the, the most dirty thing they have is X-Men Days of Future Past with a naked Hugh Jackman. I think that's it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and so I think... I think, like, that's, but, you know, everybody loves those type of comic book movies, so I feel like that's kind of off-brand for Disney+. Plus. On the other hand, to have a home for the Alien franchise and things like that, it's like, yeah, I mean, because that's Fox, right? Am I getting that right? Yeah, you got Aliens, Die Hard, you have Deadpool, uh, yeah. I think there's a few other ones, but those are, it, those are the big ones. But to be able to have a place to go for that where they would have a home, like that idea sounds really, really cool to me. But I was even reading that today and I'm sitting here, I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of straddling the fence because it's like, yeah, no, that's not the worst idea, but that's really off brand for Disney. And so I'll be curious to see how that unfolds. It's an interesting conversation to have to see where they're going to go with it. Anyway, one of the things, do you have any other streaming services? Do you watch Hulu at all? I do have Hulu. I watch it less now. Um, I used to have yeah, only Prime, Netflix, and Hulu. And with yeah. those three, I was happy. But now that we're returning to the age of cable with streaming services, it's yeah. I've added Disney Plus and HBO Max to that um, mix, and I'm very upset about that. Not that I'm upset with the content. I'm just upset with how streaming services are going and the direction it's all going because I don't want to buy these bundles. And... And now I have Peacock downloaded on my phone because I can't download it on my Samsung TV, and that's super irritating. But I scrolled wow. through Peacock on my phone. I'm like, there's nothing here that's interesting me. So, you know, I, I nothing about Peacock stands out to me. So it's just like, okay, can we just – got to go back to why streaming was made. This is getting irritating. <laughs> yeah, everybody has a streaming service. We haven't even mentioned Canopy. We haven't even mentioned Apple TV. Yeah. Which – I, I think only Austin Burke has Apple TV. That's, I haven't yeah. met a single other person that has <laughs> Apple TV. I've watched two movies off. I watched, I've seen Greyhound and I've seen the Beastie Boys documentary, which they're both good, but I'm like, I, I wouldn't ever get this streaming service. Yeah. No, it's uh, – I, I don't want another streaming service, and I don't think there's enough on Apple Plus that has me interested, whereas HBO Max yeah. has the DC section. Disney has Star Wars and Marvel sections. Netflix is the original and has so much great content. And so, like, it, it's got to be something really good to get my attention. And even though Peacock is reclaiming things like Parks and Rec and The Office, I still have those on DVD. So that's not enough for me to want to go over to Peacock. So, yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, well, what's funny is I have, I know I have Disney Plus, I have HBO Max, Hulu, and I think that's all I have right now. But I'm definitely once you start binge watching a show, I, I focus on that one streaming service. And the show that we're watching right now on HBO Max, The Big Bang Theory. We, have, yes. my wife and I, have binge watched the heck out of the show. We're in the eleventh season. However, I, th- I, re- I think I recall seeing a certain familiar face in one of the episodes. At a comic book store, the first time they're yep. showing at the comic book store, uh, Stewart's <laughs> Comics, one of my favorite characters. There's a little guy behind who's startled to see a girl in a comic book store, and I think that was you, wasn't it? Yep, that was me. That was so much fun. 
so anyway, uh, I, I was like, my wife and I both knew that was coming because we've already watched like the first six seasons before, but we forgot about it. it was so long ago. But when yeah. you popped up again, I was like, that was my buddy Durbin. And he's like, oh my god. We were both kind of laughing about it, and we were like, why didn't he ever come back to the show? And we'll ask that question a little bit later. But how how did you get on that show to begin with? Well, it's funny. There, I forget the name of this agency. I can't remember it for the life of me, but it's an agency in L.A., and all they do is they cast you as extras. So you show up in line at just this great big cattle call. You don't need an acting resume or a headshot. You stand in the line, you sign up, you give your information, and then they take your picture, and it goes up on their website. And you're you're supposed to call this number so many times a day just to see if there's anything available. And for me, there normally wasn't. But one day they (laughs) called me. Because apparently I looked nerdy enough that the Big Bang Theory wanted me in the background. And this was the episode um, towards the end of season two where they introduced the comic book store and Stuart and all of that for the first time. The first time you meet Captain Sweatpants, I was on set and I met Captain Sweatpants in real life. So, like, it was really cool because I had never, ever done anything like that and to have been called... I was like, this is a bittersweet compliment. I look nerdy, but it got me in the Big Bang Theory. Yes. And so it was it was cool <laughs> to be a part of that whole process because they actually do shoot it in front of a live audience. I had always wondered that. Oh, wow. Okay. So at least nope. those first two seasons were because I saw that live audience, and it was really fun. And it was two days, 10 hours each day, but I think – being present there for 10 hours each day, 20 hours, I did about two hours total worth of work. For like but it was a blast. Five minutes of a five-minute scene. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, like, you, you know, as the extras, we show up. We have to be there all day because uh, Thursday, if I'm getting this right, I think it was Thursday was rehearsal day. Friday was film day or it was something else like that. But it was one day was rehearsal day. The next day was the film day. So we were there on the rehearsal day. And I was sitting where the studio audience sat, and I was hanging out with all these extras. I met this one guy who makes a living out of being an extra. So he's telling me about uh, meeting J.J. Abrams on the set of the new Star Trek movie and making a real impression because he was sick and threw up on the set. (laughs) And so, like, hearing these stories. Like, you know, just in L.A., you hear these stories of all these people. And there's this one kid that was an extra in there. And I don't know if this was an act or if this was real. But we were running a rehearsal for that comic book scene. So here we are sitting on the set, and the producer is staging us. And the producer was staging this particular kid, and he comes up. He's got his glasses. And seriously, he did that nerd thing where he pushed the glasses up on his nose. He's like, now, does this show really talk about the complexities of the Big Bang Theory? And the producer's like, no, it's a sitcom. And just moved on. And I'm sitting there going, was that real? Was that a real question, or are you trying to audition? <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, okay, next, uh, next, next, get this guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it was so much fun being there for, like, those two days because they, they do a good job keeping the extras away from the cast, so I can't really say I hung out with the cast and I got to meet the cast. The dude who played Leonard, I was heading off to the bathroom, and he was on his cell phone, and I walked past him, and I said, hey, man, good job today. And he looked at me and nodded and said, hey, thanks, and went back to his phone. And that was the extent of our conversation. But nice. it was cool to see them in person and to watch um, the dude who plays Sheldon. To watch him mess up his lines is a pretty hysterical thing. 
<laughs> so it was, it was wow fun. Like in front of the live studio audience, the night that everybody was there and it was live. He's talking to Penny, and she's like, "Would you just go pick me up a Spider-Man comic book?" He's like, "Well, which one? Spider-Man '99, Spider-Man this, Spider-Man that, Spider-Man." And he's just, you know, he's doing that Sheldon Cooper thing where he could just spit out all the different versions of Spider-Man. He kept fumbling over all of those lines, and I was like, "This is kind of cool to watch because he's so smooth and so smart, and you know that identic memory that he yeah. has." And it's fun to sit there and, and watch the actor kind of flub up those lines so it was a really great experience to to be on that set wow that i would never watching the show back i'm like how many takes is this actually having like is he they, they seem so flawless in the yeah. show but i guess the beauty of editing yep. and multiple takes i guess uh yeah there's that comic book store was one of my favorite time every time they're in there that's one of my favorite scenes and stewart was one of my favorite characters for a long time and you brought up captain sweatpants captain sweatpants yeah He's he was in multiple episodes. My my question to you is: Were you ever contacted to come back and reprise your role as nerdy white guy? <sighs> no, and and I I think there was a couple reasons I wasn't contacted. The biggest one is that was right before I moved. So and I now live um, between San Francisco and Los Angeles. So San Francisco is three hours to the north of me, and Los Angeles mm-hmm. is three hours to the south of me. So I'm I I live yeah. right in between them. And uh, I, that's when I got the Christian job that brought me, or the Christian radio station job that brought me out to where I am. And I had just gotten that job, and I was working at 1-800-DENTIST, so I was super excited to take that job and move away from L.A. traffic. So um, excited yeah, to you. get out of there. But they also never called me back. And my wife and I have a theory, and the theory is I couldn't get my wedding ring off. And so here we are in the scene. I had just gotten married. I had only been married probably six months or less when we were filming that episode. Wow. And so my wedding ring was brand new and bright and shining. And if you go back and watch it, you see my wedding ring clear as day. And so there's this part Mm -hmm. of me that firmly believes... That was the one thing where they couldn't believe I was a total nerd because I had my wedding ring on. And here I am gawking at this girl. And so I'm guessing that's one of the reasons I didn't get called back. A couple of those extras I noticed did get called back. And because I spent a lot of time with them and we became pretty good friends over the two days, like me and all those extras became pretty good friends. I noticed like the one guy who made a career out of it, he shows up in community and all kinds of other shows. And I never would have noticed it if I hadn't met him there. And now I see that guy as an extra in almost everything. And I'm like, wow, he really does do a good job making a living out of being an extra. He is all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) That would would be a job. So many film sets and shows and you get a lot of fun stories like the ones here. Yeah, but I (laughs) moved and I think that's a big reason. And also they never just called me back. It could be the wedding ring. It could be I just wasn't nerd enough. Again, bittersweet because, yay, I'm not nerd enough, but... Oh, man, I would have loved to have been on the Big Bang Theory. But then I am a nerd. Look at my yeah. set. So, come on, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and for, the, for the listener, there's a ton of comic book stuff behind it. So, yeah, you, if, watch Durbania. <laughs> go, go go over to YouTube and watch Durbania. You'll see. It was bittersweet you didn't get a call back, but where do you think your character is now in the show? Where my character is now. Let's see. So, that, that store was in Pasadena. So I'm going to assume that my character 
met a nice girl online because I met my wife on eHarmony. Met a nice girl online, moved somewhere nice, and started his own comic book store with an emphasis on DC. There we go. There we go. I was, I was going to see if you had like a, a plot line for yourself. Man, that'd be fun. All right. So Big Bang Theory, huge success. One episode for you, but a ton of great memories. I think those memories are going to last uh, a lifetime and great stories to come out of it as yep. well. What other kind of experiences behind or front of the camera that have you had? Well, I, I grew up wanting to be an actor. So I did a lot of community theater and all that cool stuff. Uh, For a while, I I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, so I had an agent in Columbus, Ohio. So my biggest thing I got out of that agent was a billboard ad, and it was a billboard ad for Ohio Health. And so I got picked for it, again, because of how nerdy I was. I am this little skinny kid and these giant football players, and I'm holding the football like I'm confident. And they're, like, looming over me, and they're like, health insurance for all. (laughs) And, you know, me being the shrimpy kid and having the confidence because of the insurance. I don't. It was just a fun little thing. But through... Some self-confidence and self-confidence insurance. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but through that, that I, um, this is still back in the Ohio days. I got a few parts in a few movies. One of them was this made-for-TV movie, Speak, that had Kristen Stewart before she, you know, was Twilight fame and whatever fame she has now. Because this was a made-for-TV movie. So this was back when she could play more of the high school age character and all that stuff. And it was fun because um, my sister and her boyfriend were the ones that first were extras in it. And they wrote me into doing it. And here we sit in this auditorium in this high school in Columbus, Ohio, waiting for us extras to be called for certain scenes. My sister and her boyfriend were called for scene after scene, like up close and personal classroom scenes. And I'm like, I'm not going to be in any of this. Finally, end of the day, they call the rest of, us, rest of us out to film a pep rally scene. And so I'm sitting there doing the pep rally stuff. And I look down, there's Kristen Stewart. She's, I'm counting down like, okay, she is four rows down and I'm up. And I, I kind of see where the camera is. So I'm trying to figure out where I am, see if I can find myself in the crowd when this movie airs. And I figure nobody's going to see me in the crowd. But my sister's going to be like all over this thing. Everything that my sister and her boyfriend filmed was cut and not in there at all. But you can see me clear as day in the pep rally scene. (laughs) You hear that? That was a twist. Yes, (laughs) my sister was so mad at me. I was like, it's not my fault. I didn't edit this movie. But it it was a cool little experience because that was my first time on a real film set, even though it wasn't like the experience of being on a film set because I was sitting in a high school auditorium for hours. But it was still kind of cool to be a part of that. And then to see the reward of, like, actually being on screen. I was like, there I am on this made-for-TV movie. And so that was a lot of fun. And then I did this uh, short film called Dolphin TNG. It was terrible. Oh, my gosh. I Nice. (laughs) It was all about a mad scientist afraid of global warming trying to make people so they could live underwater. And I had a bigger role in this movie, sadly, because it was terrible. And so all of my scenes were shot underwater. And I was supposed to come back in later to do the ADR dubbing to, you know, have my lines in there, which they never called me to do. 
Oh my gosh. Anyway, so here I am trying to do these lines underwater. I have a weight belt around my waist to hold me underwater in this pool. And they have a little living room set up for me. And so I'm sitting here with a weight belt attached to the couch. Scuba divers all around me. So when they'd say cut, I'd get a breath. Though one of those times, something went wrong when the scuba guy gave me the breathing thing. And I didn't take in a breath of air. I took in a breath of water. And I panicked and I tried to swim up, but I couldn't. Because I had weights on my ankles and weights around my waist. And so I had to run up the slope that led down to the deep end to come up and get a breath. (laughs) And it was like, for all that reward, I've never seen that movie. For all that work, I never went back and watched it because they never called me in to do ADR. They decided that didn't sound right. And uh, they didn't want to do it. And I think the movie probably must have been laughed out of the screening. So... I gotta, I gotta find this now. I gotta find this movie. Somehow. I don't know if it exists. I don't know like... if it's that type of movie that went out into circulation. It was just a short, and it was for a film festival in Columbus, Ohio. So I don't know if it's actually out there, and I hope it's not. It was terrible. You know that that short film, Columbus, Ohio. It might be Columbus, Ohio's serial apist from Big yeah. Bang Theory. Yeah, uh, going tying that back. It might be. Uh, <laughs> it might be the Columbus, Ohio nerds like. That's a guy from uh, Dolphin TNG. Yes. Oh, my gosh. But I think my favorite movie I did in Ohio, um, it was actually filmed in Cincinnati, Florida, and Norway. And uh, it was called Beowulf Prince of the Geats. Not geeks. Geats. And uh, that was a lot of fun because I auditioned for that. Uh, and it was a non-paid gig, so right there that should tell you that that movie was very low budget. But I, I wasn't expecting anything out of that, and I got one of the main supporting roles. Like, in all of Beowulf's big troop of Whoa. strong guys, I was the little skinny guy who threw knives, and I was the comedic relief. And I was like, oh, my nerddom wins again! And so I got this role, and <laughs> filming that movie was probably the most fun I've ever had on a film set and uh wow, one okay. of the guys who played grindle the monster like he'd done real movies and so you know he met all kinds of actors and i was getting all these stories from him just listening to his stories of working in hollywood and the stuff that he'd done and um we got this picture where he picks me up and holds me over his head like bane held batman over his head because i was so little and this Whoa. dude was so muscular because of course he's playing the monster of the film and so like lots of Really cool. I didn't get to go to Norway or Florida, but, you know. Otherwise, the movie was a blast. It just, when I watched it, when it came out, it's one of those movies you watch and you go, that just made Sharknado look really good. (laughs) But I feel bad saying that because the director, to this day, is one of my good friends. And he loves making movies. And for what we did, he did a really good job putting that whole thing together. Oh, that's nice. I can't, that what you just said about making real movies, uh, <laughs> it reminded me of a quote from a John Cusack, Julia Roberts movie, and Catherine Seta Jones, Billy Crystal's, and called America Sweethearts. Cusack's at the the press screening of his movie, and it's like sometimes you just look at a movie and you ask, "Where did the money go?" Yeah, <laughs> and that kind of is like <laughs> it's kind of like that Beowulf movie. 
so when you're have you ever ever been behind the camera filming a, making a movie? Uh, a little bit here and there. Most of my behind the camera stuff was when I worked at that TV station years ago. And so I did a lot of behind-the-camera stuff with that. I even did a little bit of directing the VJs. So I sat in the television booth, picked the camera angles, and do stuff like that. So that was fun. Um, here in California, I worked with a group of people, and we worked to put together some short films. And I did do some behind-the-camera stuff. But if I'm doing something on a film set, it's always fun for me to be on a film set. I love it, but my favorite thing is being in front of the camera. So... If, if my best way to get on a film set is to be behind the camera in some fashion, I'll do it. And I've been the dude holding up the, the microphone pole and all of that stuff. So I've done all kinds of cool stuff like that. My favorite thing is anytime, whether it's being an extra, tiny role, whatever, is, is being in front of the camera. Like, that's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The only uh, camera work I, or in front of the camera stuff I've ever done, I made a... a movie with my friend Andrew which I actually talked to him I convinced him to be on the podcast eventually talking about us making a Star Wars nice. movie uh, that was that was fun but I I was on I was a Senate page I worked at the Capitol up, in, up here in Olympia Washington and I just st- sat there waiting for a message to be delivered to one of the senators so I was just sitting there on camera and then I just got the message and just walked it wasn't a film shoot it was just like some political TV channel yeah. or whatever trying to pass a bill so that's the only thing I've ever been in front of the camera for but not as exciting or entertaining as <laughs> your, your stories uh, let's see here uh well we've mentioned and we i can see on your set too you're a big comic book fan you're you're cast as the nerd a lot but you know uh, let's talk some comics right now how's that sound? yeah let's do it okay so i had a question obviously this is big breaking news too uh joey movies blog joey's movie blog he's a, a big supporter of mine he always comments on a bunch of my stuff um he asked the question what do you think about ben affleck coming back to the dceu i'm beyond excited he need he needs to get his due he did not get his full due he him in the dark art not the dark knight what was that called batman versus superman he was amazing in that he was a really great batman and i don't think justice league the theatrical cut reflected his batman he still did a really good job but it didn't reflect really what we really got in that grit in Batman vs. Superman. And so I, I just I feel like he was robbed of an opportunity to carry that Batman forward. And now that he's not robbed of it and he's coming back, I am beyond excited. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for Ben Affleck to come back. <laughs> but um, I think, again, Rachel Wagner, <laughs> she said something on um, that he his his health is the the big priority i'm I'm worried about as well you know because he had was really a a downtime in his life because fortunately dc or the warner brothers producers kind of played with him a little bit saying you're going to direct a movie and they're not going to direct it and kind of went back and forth and so he went through his a low period and i'm kind of just don't want him to go back there i want him to keep on recovering so i'm hopefully this is a good experience for him moving forward and if it if he's yeah if he if, if it is then i'm all for it as well so that's the, the personal health is more important than being in front of a camera for me. For me, anyway. Oh, I, I totally yeah. agree. And I would hope the fact that he would read that script and feel confident that he wants to be a part of it, that's what made me feel confident about the Flash movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm more excited for the Flash movie because Keaton and Affleck are returning as Batman. I mean, yeah. I'm more excited for the Flash because of the Batman than I am because of Flash, but... It does give me confidence knowing that, you know, Affleck went through that hard time that he went through, read this script, and decided, yeah, I, I would like to be a part of that. And if the 
producers of uh, this film is listening to right now, cast Kevin Conroy in just a little s- small part somewhere. Just have him say a line. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Do him more justice than Crisis on Infinite Earth. Yes, please. Please. That'd be great. Uh, but, you're, you know, you're, you're, we're talking about Batman right now, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck's coming up, and The Flash. But that's not your, main, that's not your favorite superhero, is it? No. Uh, no, he's my second favorite superhero. Superman. That's the... That, that's the what what attracted you to Superman? Like, what what's that? What appeals to you the, for Superman? Well, you know, of course, you know, when I was a kid, it was the Christopher Reeve movie. Like all, all like when I was a kid, I you know didn't criticize film. All four of those movies were so abundantly fantastic for me, but always, especially that first one. And as a kid, Christopher Reeve just embodied that character. But I think the best part of that character, even when I was a kid, for me was the goodness, like the goodness that Christopher Reeve embodied. And I think what I like best about it is, so here's Christopher Reeve as Clark Kent. And Clark Kent was this incredibly nerdy exterior. When you watch that Superman movie, he can't even open a bottle. Like, you know that he can, but he he's acting like he can't even open a bottle for Lois Lane. And, uh, you know, all this nerdiness, all this clumsiness, but underneath that is Superman. And even as a kid, that really spoke to me, going back to the self-confidence issues we talked about, because, you know, I was a little shrimpy kid. And, you know, when you're a little shrimpy, nerdy kid, you get made fun of by the bigger bullies and sports guys, and I dealt with that in high school. And there was something about Superman that had that nerdy, shrimpy look on the outside, but something great on the inside that spoke to me so much, and I loved that. And so, getting older, I think the thing that makes me love Superman even more so is the fact that he's all good. You know, power corrupts, but it's not corrupting him. He is all good. And in fact, he becomes a superhero not because his parents are murdered in front of him or his uncle is killed on the sidewalk or any other tragic event. He becomes a superhero because he goes, look at what I can do. I should. Like, I love that about this character. Yeah, I think... I don't know why I was never really into superman when i was a kid i I guess guess i didn't really watch the christopher reeve movies i grew up on the tim burton batman movie like that's what i that's the movie i grew up on didn't really watch batman returns too much but it was that 89 batman movie and that's just one one of my personal favorite superheroes is batman and i i love the big joke on the podcast is um if we're ever doing a top 10 or top 5 ranking i'm always somehow going to figure out a way to put an animated batman movie in there and so Terry, Zach, and Todd always give me a hard time. But hey, like that's that's I'm true to myself. I know what I like, and I, I love those animated Batman yep. movies. Um, uh, there was one uh, movie, that, DC animated movie, that came out this year called Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Yeah, supposedly that's the end of the DC animated universe. Uh, quick thoughts on the film. Overall, I thought it was a really good movie. Personally. I wish it was a little bit longer because you could tell what they were really going for was this is the new 52 animated movies end game. And there were some really cool scenes where all the characters they've built up in this new 52 animated series were all there and all present. But for a lot of them, it was like really quick. Can I talk spoilers? Am I allowed to do Uh, that? It came out earlier in the year. Go ahead. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, skip ahead like five minutes. Go ahead. Yes, I'm not going to do the very end, but, you know, we have these things where, like, you know, Nightwing is stabbed through, and and you don't spend a lot of time with him and his recovery, and and seeing the fight where he gets stabbed, it's like, 
okay, so this seems to be a major plot point, and we're not spending a ton of time on that. Oh, we took him to the Lazarus Pit, and we brought him back, because he should have been dead, now he's not really himself. But it's like, they touch on it, and it's interesting, and it's there. And now we move on. And it's like, but... Give me time with that! Split this movie into two parts if you have to. It's epic enough for that. But this is stuff that's worth... Other than that, though, other than where I wish I got more time with certain key elements and heroes they were throwing in there, I thought it was a great ending for the new 52 and a great way to introduce Rebirth. I, I thought it was a great way to go into that. All right, that, that, yeah, I, I agree. I thought this movie goes. This is like, it was like bang, 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 bang. There's plot points, stuff that happens, deaths, crazy. I felt like this was the animated universe's in-game type of thing. Obviously, I guess that's the easiest yep. comparison. We just saw in-game the year before. And and I got in trouble in the comments already that. from the fandom for, for making yeah. that comparison. But it's like, how can I not make that comparison? It's clearly what they're going for. But who cares? DC and Marvel rip off each other all the time. Look at Green Arrow and Hawkeye. Flash and Quicksilver. They're always ripping each other off. Exactly. How about the, the easiest one? Dark Side and Thanos. Like, there's another one. That's there a huge you one go. right there. The two main yes. villains. Uh, I know. that. I will talk about the DC... It's not a negative to me that it was an in-game feel. It's just it was the easiest, most obvious comparison to make to communicate what this movie felt like. Hey, what I said, to, what I've said is that the DC animated team had more guts to kill off main characters and keep them dead than Marvel has ever done so far. Yes, because Marvel's only that Marvel's is true. only done two big deaths for me: Killmonger and uh, Yondu. Well, I guess well yeah. Endgame happened, so Iron Man. I'm not like I was a Captain America fan, so I, my wife like loves Iron Man, so like that death was good. But I, I felt like Yondu and Killmonger were probably a little more poignant for the movies. Uh, but I definitely think yeah. so. But like Quicksilver, I didn't care. But like if Night, what happened to Nightwing? I was more invested in the because I've seen a majority of those movies. So yeah. Um, anyway, let's talk about the fandom real fast. That was one of the, the most frustrating things when you're making a YouTube video, you're putting all this hard work, but if you like one thing or say something negative about a Star Wars movie or say something negative about a Marvel or DC movie, they're down your throat no matter what. Like, they just like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it's 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 kind of nasty because you put all this work into it, and it's your honest opinion. And on my channel, like, I don't think I'm a jerk about it. Like, I don't want to hold back what my honest opinion is. But I'm not that type of person that says my opinion is it. I'm the type of person who says this is my opinion. If you liked it, that is awesome and even better. Let's have a conversation about that. And it doesn't come out that way in the comments. Like People just get angry when you don't like the same things they like in DC. And it's weird because when I talk about Batman versus Superman, I have a love-hate relationship with that movie. There's things about it that I love, and there's things about it that I hate. And when I talk about the things about it that I love, people that hate that movie get on me. And when I talk about the things I hate, the people that love that movie get on me. It's like, oh my gosh! I can't win. I can't win. <laughs> it is what it is. This is my personal opinion, and, and you don't have to be mean about yours. Yeah, another big joke, too, is like, uh, I went to the Star, Star Wars The Last Jedi. That's another one that's really like kind of split. People love it, people hate it, and, and you're, you're never right, whatever opinion you are. You're always wrong. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I went to see it with a group of my fellow employees that worked at FedEx, my friend Todd, who's on the podcast as well. He went. He was there, and after the, I was sitting next to uh, one of my friend's daughters. Like I had my friend, and he brought his daughter, and we just sat next to each other. We knew, we've known each other, and my wife was noticing I was huffing and puffing through a lot of the movie. I was just like <sighs> rolling my eyes. Taking like like deep breaths, I was like, oh, I'm I hate this movie. Like I kind of hate it. And at the very end, I, Todd came down. He's like, How did you like it? And Todd's like, Yeah, this is probably the best movie since Empire Strikes Back. Like out of the franchise. <laughs> and he's like, How about you? I was like, Yeah, I kind of hated it. It's <laughs> like I kind of hated it. I'll admit that the movie's shot beautifully, but I'm not, I was not a fan of the Last Jedi. Uh, yeah. And I yeah, I have a lot of problems with the Last Jedi. Every time I watch it, I go. I don't think the director of this movie was a Star Wars fan. Like, that's the overall feeling I get when I watch it, that this dude was not a Star Wars fan. And that huge chunk where they're running out of fuel and they're being chased, it's like, that is the second episode of season one of Battlestar Galactica when they redid the show. Like, that's, that's that was the whole plot of the second episode. Are you serious right now? Wow. <laughs> and so, it's funny, though, I did a video on The Last Jedi because I was so fascinated. I watched it with my nephews. And, you know, the, at the time, I think the oldest one was six, no, seven, whatever. It was like seven and four or eight and five, but young, right? They're watching The Last Jedi, and their reactions to everything were amazing. And it made this movie incredibly fun. So I did a video about that. And it was funny, the comments that I got, because I'm still talking about, like, yeah, no, it's not my favorite movie. I don't really like this movie. But I will say it made the experience of watching it so much funner because of my nephews and their reactions to everything that was happening. It was so unprejudiced and so they, they didn't have any expectations other than just have fun with the movie. And it's like, it's amazing what a difference that makes. And people in the comments still like, but you got to hate this movie. It's like, oh, for pity's sake. I never said I didn't. I'm just, listen to the content of what I'm saying. Listen to my words, please. <laughs> Jeez Louise. <laughs> All right. Well, well, yeah. I understand. I know people can understand at home. But listen to the words. Speaking of words, let's fin let's wrap it up. We're almost at an hour here. Let's play a little game to close it off with you. We're gonna do a DC word association game. I'm gonna say a, I'm gonna awesome. say a hero. I'm gonna say a, like a sentence, a phrase, whatever the case may be. Just give me a first initial reaction to that word. What your, what your response would be? So we'll kick it off first. Best Batman. Batman Begins. Oh, I meant uh, the Batman Begins is great. Uh, best Batman as the actor. I meant sorry. <laughs> Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Okay. Thoughts on Superman Returns. Blah. Blah. Okay. Birds of Prey. Blah. <laughs> All right. Batman Under the Red Hood. Good. Good. Okay. Jai Courtney's Captain Boomerang. He was what? in suicide. <laughs> oh what? That, that's what? my reaction. That's there we go. I I enjoy. I thought he was fine. Okay, how about the Rock as Black Adam? It'll be fun. It'll be fun. I can't. Yes. He'll lay it the smack down. How about yes. the How about the Aquaman movie? <sighs> Good. Good. Okay. Okay. Jared Leto's Joker. Meh. Yeah. Okay. Patty Jenkins. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Best DC animated film. Oh, let's go with Death of Superman. 
Ooh, there we go. Uh, how about Halle Berry's Catwoman? Blech. <laughs> Blech. Uh, furball. <laughs> furball. Yes, there's a... Something was caught in my throat. <laughs> there we go. How about the Smallville show? It's great. Love-hate relationship. <laughs> yeah. First six seasons, absolutely loved it. And then it's like, okay, this is kind of it's the same thing. Get, just get him in the suit. And then it's like, oh, I want more. I want more now. <laughs> yeah. What happens next? Yeah. All right. A couple more here. Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. No. No. Okay. How about DC character I need in a movie that you haven't yet? Ah. Oh. Okay, so that's not DCEU. That's just that I haven't gotten yet. Okay, um... Yeah. Any character you haven't gotten yet. Martian Manhunter. He has not been in a movie. I want so, him in a that's movie. That's a great one. That's. I also would say Jonathan Stewart's Green Lantern. His version of Green Lantern. Yes. Jon Stewart. All right, last one. The Zack Snyder Cut. Excited. Excited, yes. I, I'm excited. I don't, I'm not 100% sure how good because we haven't seen anything yet and it, i just hopefully it should be a better movie hopefully yeah we can, we can I, i'm trying not to let myself be as hyped up as the culture is because how could anything live up to that hype other than avengers endgame living up to 11 years of mcu so i'm trying not to lay so heavy an expectation on it but i'm excited to see as close to the original vision of where it was supposed to go from batman vs superman yeah that's true. All right, so that was all the things I had for this game. Um, I think I thought of another question actually, because you just mentioned um, the MCU ending as well. There's a bunch. There's three things that really ended last year. I want you to give me like just your ranking of these three things. Okay. From best to worst, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars. Oh no, Avenger or the uh, MCU because Endgame, Star Wars, or Game of Thrones. How would you rank them? Oh, man. Uh, Game of Thrones was the worst, uh, so that would put Star Wars at number two, and the best would have been in-game with MCU. Yeah. yeah. So what's funny is I put a poll on Twitter with the same exact question the day that Game of Thrones was about to come back on. I said, what would be the biggest disappointment if it sucked? In-game, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, or Game of Thrones? In-game overwhelmingly won that vote. However, they're like, some of the comments was like, one of the shows isn't even uh, is relevant anymore, and Star Wars, who cares? But in game, everything was pro in game. <laughs> but then everybody, when in Game of Thrones and Star Wars were kind of bombed, everybody's like, "This is horrible." And then it's like, "I, I didn't I say <laughs> I, I did a poll <laughs> last year?" But it was funny. Anyway, well, that's pretty much the end of my interview. I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, out and. Uh, talking some fun stuff with me man I, this uh, thanks for being my guinea pig <laughs> yeah no thank you so much this was fun to be your guinea pig it's fun to do interviews so thank you for having me and having me be your first one i appreciate it um, before we close on the podcast guys um if you are coming over from derbany the land of derbania really appreciate you guys taking the time out listening just let me know down in the, the review let leave a review on itunes or whatever uh we're at spotify's uh stitcher and i think there's one more i can't can't remember uh just let us know how we're doing and we'll read that on the podcast as well and we really do appreciate it and durbin uh, if you're there listening where can we find you one last time on youtube and social media Yes, my channel is called Derbania, so you just type that in. I'm the one and only channel that is going to pop up, so pretty easy to find me. I do movie reviews, rankings, trailer reactions, and as we've been talking about, my theological analysis, so I'd love to come and have you check it out. 
Uh, just search me Durbania on Facebook. You'll find me in at World of Durbania on Twitter. All right. And to end the show, guys, my quote of the day is up in the air. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. And so enjoy the theme to Superman. <laughs>